0: This episode is brought to you by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough reinvention. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you reinvent. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at pwc.com. but we can officially say that we are back. We have a lot to catch up on, so let's get right into it. Brand new episode of the Pinstripe Talk Podcast begins right now. You are listening to the Pinstripe Talk Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to yet another edition of the Pinstripe Talk Podcast, powered to you by Delahanty Media I'm your host, Nick Delahanty. It is great to be back on the air. It's been a while. November, you know, was our last show. And there's a lot of reasons why I haven't been able to put content out for you. And I do apologize. And we're going to get into some of those as the show goes on. But the main objective is to catch you up on everything that's going on in the world of the Yankees. And to give you my opinion on some of the rather big topics that have surrounded this team so far this year. 16 games into the regular season. So there are some things that we could talk about and of course I want to dive into the off season a little bit. I want to talk about how I feel about the strike, how I feel about some of the moves the Yankees made, some of the moves the Yankees didn't make, all that good stuff and more. Remember find us on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Our show is available on all podcasting platforms. We're going to do a better job of getting you more content and there's a lot of good things coming for the Dalante media gang. So make sure you follow us and stay in tune with everything that's going on there. If you guys have been following me, you know that I've been very heavily involved in North Carolina athletics, as I'm now a co-expert on keeping a heel. Um, so that is a major development in my life and and with work and and everything else. You know, there's only so much time to allocate to certain things. But let's get right into this and. I figured that the way I would start today's show and this first broadcast in a while was to talk about my feeling regarding the strike and when the first strike happened or I should say the one that happened in 94 or 95 that time frame I was only one or two years old so I don't remember quite frankly how I would have felt you know. But going through this one, and you all know that I absolutely love the sport of baseball. And for me, it was kind of heartbreaking. And I have to be completely honest with you. I lost a little bit of passion for the game. And it wasn't that, you know, I don't love watching it and, and I don't love the Yankees. It's more of, I saw more and more of the greed that goes from both sides of the spectrum. And yes, they worked it out and they were able to get back on the field and the season was delayed Not too long, but, you know, long enough in my eyes. It's just a matter of you sit back and you think. You have people working tremendously hard on a daily basis in other jobs, whether it be doctors, whether it be educators. Not just saying that because I'm an educator, but, you know, we do see what goes on on a daily basis. And you see the arguments that are coming along between the players and the owners, and you just say to yourself, you know, the greed has gotten to be, astronomical and not to say that they're not right in arguing for their money you know they're a billion dollar company you know these players make these teams a lot of money these teams bringing a lot of money from people like you and me who just love the game so there is both sides of the spectrum and that was kind of part of the reason why it took me so long to get back into doing shows is you know I lost that motivation for the sport and on a bigger spectrum I feel like the sport is starting to die a little bit in terms of America's people you know we always talked about America's pastime and I just feel like the game is losing people's interest and certain things like a strike definitely don't help you know if if I go into my school and I say to my students you know how many of you watched a, game, a baseball game last night most of them are going to say I watch basketball or I watch soccer Or I watch, you know, anything else that might be on. Not many are going to say they sat down and watched nine innings of a baseball game. And it's very scary to think about how the game is going. And, you know, in the 90s, we had the the steroid era that saved the game. I will live by that till the day I die. The steroid era saved the game of baseball. What is going to save it now? I do feel like the international prospects and players are going to be a big help. I think it's going to be a big draw. But again, we need something that is going to set the tone and get people saying, you know what? I got to watch this baseball game at 10 o'clock at night to watch this player play, and so on and so forth. Now, let's get past the negative. And we'll look at what the Yankees did during the offseason. And once the strike came back, the Yankees did make one rather big move. And that was to get Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa from the Minnesota Twins for Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. That's a big move. First of all, Gio Urshela, a big fan favorite. Gary Sanchez, a guy that had a ton of potential with the Yankees, but unfortunately it just didn't work out. He needed a new change of scenery and the Yankees were willing to give it. In return, they get Josh Donaldson, an aging veteran, guy who really doesn't fit what the Yankees have been over the last couple of years. They've been a very Clubhouse oriented team, a lot of loose and happy guys, and you know, Urshela was right in the middle of that. But one thing that when this trade was made, and at first I hated it with a passion, I'm going to be completely real with you. But when I sat back and thought about it, and that's coming with age, is 29, I'm starting to figure, you know, don't go off your initial reaction for everything. But the Donaldson move adds something the Yankees haven't had in that span, and that is an edge. That is like that toughness, that dedication to win. Not saying the guys in the locker room didn't want to win. You know, there was plenty of guys that want to win. But you could just see the fire in Donaldson, even at this older age. The confidence, the swagger. He does things the right way. And he's not going to step down from a challenge. He's a guy that has a tough persona. And I thought that, you know, this could work in New York, especially given the Yankees have a lot of position players available. He's not going to have to play every day. You know, as an aging veteran, you, you you have to really sit back and, you know, take your off days as they come. So for Donaldson, I think it's a good spot. He'll DH a couple of days, he'll play third base, so on and so forth. As for kiner Falefa, you know, I really like this kid. I do. I'm not going to lie. I think that the Yankees' main objective was to get better defensively, and I feel like, as shortstop for the time being, he can do it, you know, he I'll talk about him now instead of going back into him later on, but, you know, early on, he looked a little rattled, and rightly so, you're coming into New York and you're playing for the Yankees, and you're taking over a position that many people have their eyes on, and rightly so, it could be nerve-wracking, but he settled in nicely, starting to get some timely hits, playing good defense. You know, the Yankees don't need him to be a 10-year veteran with them. Would it be nice if he ended up being that? Sure, but they have big hopes for Anthony Volpe and as Waldo Peraza. They have hopes for these guys, these young, talented shortstops they have coming through the system. They don't need a guy like Kiner Falefa to be the everyday shortstop for a long period of time. They need him to hold down the position until those other guys are ready. And then if he does work out, He could be a guy similar to how he was used in Texas, could play a little shortstop, or he could play second base, third base. He's very versatile. So it's a good piece that the Yankees could have, and he has some club control. I think it's a move that would work out for them. Now, obviously, I don't wish no harm or ill on Urshela or Sanchez. I think that both guys, you know, could really benefit from the new look, but I do wish them well. Urshela, I loved having him around. Defensively, he was a wizard at third base. I think the Yankees only made that move because they felt like they got enough out of him or felt that they got more than they could out of him. I don't think they would have made that move if they thought they had three or maybe four years of really good baseball from Urshela left in them. And Sanchez, it just did not work out. It was kind of one of those sticky situations. Defensively, the Yankees needed to improve. They decided to go with Kyle Higashioka, now have him and Jose Trevino behind the dish. And you know what? Sanchez has a new look in Minnesota. Let's see how it works out for him. The other big move they made was trading Luke Voigt to the San Diego Padres. And as you probably already know, Voigt is already on the injured list. Even as a full-time DH, Voigt is on the injured list. The Yankees went out and signed Anthony Rizzo to play first. They brought him back on a two-year deal. That's a move I love. I think a full season of Rizzo in the Bronx. He's a guy that could hit 30 home runs, especially with the short porch in right field. Of course, I would have loved to have Matt Olson, but if you look at the trade package the Braves gave up for him, that's a lot to ask for. Yes, hugging prospects doesn't always work, but in this case, I think that the Yankees went the right route. Rizzo's great defensively, great in the clubhouse, as a big-time leader, has won before, I think it makes a lot of sense. The one thing I think didn't make a lot of sense was them not going after one of the big-name shortstops. And you could say what you want. Trevor Story going to the Red Sox and playing second base. Carlos Correa signing a shorter-term deal where he has an opt-out after this year to retest the market. Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager going to the Texas Rangers. Both guys signing big-time deals to be the middle infield of the future for the Rangers. I thought, personally... The guy who I would have went after if I didn't get Matt Olsen or Freddie Freeman, obviously at first base, was a guy like Seager. Number one, lefty bat. Number two, has that World Series pedigree with the Dodgers. Number three, he is not a long-term shortstop. He's not. He is a guy who I could see being like Alex Rodriguez and moving over to third base, which would have made a lot of sense for the Yankees given that they have aspirations of Volpe being the shortstop in the near future so when he was ready you don't have to rush him you just move Seager over to third now I understand this isn't the George Steinbrenner Yankees anymore and they're not going to overspend on guys on the market and I get that but I thought if they were going to spend it should have been on a guy like Corey Seager unfortunately it didn't work out that way the Yankees went into this season with the hopes of you know We think that DJ LeMay, who's going to be better than he was in 2021. We think that Gleyber Torres is going to figure it out now that we're going to put him at second base. You know, Josh Donaldson's a guy that we feel could really ignite the offense. What do you expect out of Judge and Stanton? we're going to get to Judge in just a minute. Aaron Hicks, another bounce back candidate. Joey Gallo, who had a really bad second half of the year in his first half a season with the Yankees. What do you get out of him? There was a lot of areas where the Yankees were saying, you know, if we get the production, we think we could get out of those positions, we're going to be in a really good spot. And it's a risk to take, but it's a risk that they were willing to be okay with. And, you know, I guess you have to just wait it out and see how it goes. But again, I don't know if it's just from the fan side of me or whatnot, but it's been a long time since 2009 and to have that kind of, you know, if game situation, you know, it, it doesn't seem like the intensity of winning a World Series is, is all there at this point. Yeah, of course, p- overpaying free agents and overspending doesn't always equate to World Series championships, but when you're a couple of pieces away, it would make sense to add the pieces that you do need regardless of what the luxury tax may hold. Let's remember, the Yankees are a $7 billion franchise and they're putting $220 million into their payroll. So that just shows you, you know, they're making a lot of money and they're spending not as much money on the roster. And of course there's limitations and whatnot, but again, it just doesn't equate. Now, before we get into actual baseball stuff, the final straw of the offseason was Aaron Judge turning down an extension offer from the New York Yankees. And of course, you have to look at it from both perspectives. Number one, Judge is entering his age 30 season. He wants to get the most amount of money he can possibly get on the open market. The Yankees were trying to offer him a fair deal, but in the same token, get him for a price that fit their budget. Now, the, the offer the Yankees gave, I thought was fair. It was in the $230 million range. It would have paid him 30 something million a year. I thought it was fair. I really do if the Yankees lowballed them and said, you know what, we're going to offer you 500, five for a hundred million, I should say, then I'd be like, you know, maybe we should really take a seat and really start to bash the Yankees front office. However, you know, it didn't work out. Judge was not happy with the offer. It appears that he's going to hit free agency in the, in the winter, which I don't think is a very good thing for the Yankees. I think that If he does hit the free agent market, he's going to be a goner. I believe that somebody else will overpay him. And my thought process on it was this. Aaron Judge said on numerous occasions he wants to be a Yankee for life. And with the offer that the Yankees did give him, I thought that it was fair. Now, mind you, I'm not in Judge's seat and looking at what kind of money I could get on an open market. So again, I've never been in that position. I wish I was because, you know... If they would offer me eight years, two hundred thirty plus million to play for the New York Yankees, I think I would skin my knee trying to sign that paper. But on the other hand, you're a Judge. You're betting on yourself. You can't blame the guy for betting on himself. My biggest thing is can Judge stay healthy? And yes, of course, I know the whole freak in- incidents with some of these injuries, and he was limited to one hundred and twelve games in two thousand eighteen. 102 in 2019, then just 28 in 2020, and then again, last year coming off a year in which he played in 148 games. Now, obviously, I grew up in an era where guys wanted to play 150, 160 games a year. That's just how they were. The big time players played that. That's not the same game, but you do want Aaron Judge on the field at least 135, 140 games a year. He hasn't shown the ability to stay on the field and freak injury or not, it's something that does ride him, in you know his contract pursuit. The guy's a great ball player. He's a great leader. I think that if they do extend him, he'll be the captain. But I am a little discouraged with how this all played out. And you know, he's really betting on himself. And he turns thirty this week, so early. Uh, happy birthday to him. But it's just going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. And quite frankly, I don't have an answer. I don't know how it's going to work out. I do think though. And Michael K did say this and, and I agree with him. If he hits the free agent market, he's a goner. I think the Yankees are going another direction. I, I know that Yankee fans won't want to hear that, but I think they have to brace for the reality that if he hits the market, somebody's going to be willing to pay him, and it may not be the New York Yankees. Now, let's talk about actual baseball things. And the Yankees are 10-6 to start the year. Tied for first in the American League East. That's great. But There have been some bumps and bruises along the way. Losing a brutal series at Baltimore, losing two out of three, Um, it's not what you want by any means. But they've been playing better baseball of late, have won five of their last six, took care of business against Detroit, won two or three there, swept the Guardians in their first series in Yankee Stadium. You know, the Indians couldn't beat the Yankees at at Yankee Stadium. The Guardians can't either. And you know, the upcoming schedule is favorable. The next six games are home against Baltimore, a team that they should win at least two out of three. And then you go to Kansas City before going across the border to Toronto. So right now you have to take care of business. You have to beat those teams that you're capable of beating. Let's look at some of the guys that have stood out and have struggled overall. Giancarlo Stanton threw 15 games, 22 strikeouts. He's been awful as of late. Uh, 203 average I don't know what's up with G but I think that he'll bounce back judge has been solid so far nothing special from him obviously you know he's hitting 263 has a couple of homers had the multi-homer game hopefully that gets him going a little bit Donaldson's hitting below 200 that's not gonna last I think when he gets comfortable he's gonna be an asset in this lineup DJ LeMay who's looked really good early on that's a great sign for the Yankees Kinder Falafel, like I mentioned before, has really started to put the bat on the ball. Seems a lot more comfortable. You have guys like Joey Gallo and Gleyber Torres who have been off to sluggish starts. But again, Torres has not seen as much action given the Yankee situation of having nine starting players and eight spots to work with. So there are a couple of days a week that he's the odd man out. It could be tough for him being an used to being an everyday player and then going to this more of a day-by-day basis role He's going to have to adjust to it, as I think these Yankees are going to have to adjust to it as well. And Aaron Hicks gets a lot of heat. Trust me, I'm I'm a big Aaron Hicks guy who gives him a lot of heat. I'm one of them, but he's been solid so far. The thing with Hicks is, can he stay healthy? I think that if he stays healthy, you're looking at a guy that can hit you 20 homers, could steal 20 bags. He's been in the legal spot a little bit. Aaron Boone likes that dynamic. He does see a lot of pitches. I think that's a benefit. For the Yankees when they try to get something going early on in games. Even later on in games when Hicks is leading off innings or is a part of innings at the plate. And it keeps LeMahieu from not hitting leadoff. And I think that that's a dynamic the Yankees like. So again, maybe that's a role that Hicks could play if he can stay healthy. The big key is if he could stay healthy. On the pitching end, my two disappointments. We're going to get into disappointments first because we'll go to the positives after. Garrett Cole. Although he had a really good start against the Guardians, he has not looked like an ace. And again, you hear all the chatter about the spider tack and all that garbage. I don't think it's that. I think it's a guy trying to get into an early season groove, shortened spring training, a lot of expectations. I'm not worried about Garrett Cole. I think he'll be fine overall. Chad Green becoming unreliable out of the pen. This is a guy that over the last couple of seasons, you would have told me You know, the game's on the line. You want a reliever in there. Who are you going to put in? I would tell you Chad Green 9 out of 10 times. The guy has just not been effective. Let up a couple of untimely hits. You know, he hasn't looked as sharp as he has. Have the Yankees really worn him out? That's the question I have. But other than that, the Yankees pitching staff has been fantastic. One of the best starting pitching ERAs in the league. The bullpen's been dynamite. You know, you could go up and down the list of the bullpen and just point out guys who have been dominant. Michael King coming off a dominant outing where he struck out eight batters in three innings of work. Clay Holmes has some really nasty sinking stuff, and he's a guy to look out for as well. Clark Schmidt has been used sparingly, but he's been solid. Right before the season started, they got Miguel Castro for Joey e. Rodriguez. Castro, another guy who, you know, when he has his control... He could be dynamite as well. Chapman below one ERA. He's been used seven times this year. Loisica, you know, he's had some bumps, but again, he's going to be one of the most dominant relievers in the game. And you can just keep going down the list. And the starters, the biggest question mark coming into the season have been good. If you watch Severino pitch, it looks like Severino from a couple of years back. He's on fire on a mound. Just his intensity, his passion. A big strikeout, he's pumping on the mound and getting all excited. Nestor Cortez, he's funky, he's quirky. You don't know what to expect from him, but I absolutely love it. He is must-see TV every time that guy takes the mound. And then you have guys like Jordan Montgomery and Jamison Tyone, who, although I don't think their stuff is going to wow you, they don't have 99-mile-per-hour fastballs and really amazing stuff, but their pitches get the job done. They go out there every fifth day, and they'll give you a quality outing. They keep you in the ballgame, and that's what this Yankees team needs. So, yes, the offense has struggled early on in the year, and the pitching has carried this club to their 10-6 and six record. Obviously, this is not going to hold all year. The Yankees need their offense to step it up a little bit more. You saw that game where they scored 10-plus runs against the Guardians. Hopefully, that keeps up because... The Yankees offense could really help this pitching staff, one that's already being taxed early on in the year. So early mindset, Yankees look solid. I wouldn't say they look amazing. I wouldn't say they look great. I'll give them a solid. I think there's room for improvement. I think there's room for growth. A couple of new pieces in the mix. I feel like they'll all fall into place. couple of things. Number one, they got to get Stanton going. Number two, they got to stay healthy. Number three, Aaron Boone has to find a way to maneuver the guys without keeping them out of the lineup too much. Like I said earlier, nine starting caliber players, eight spots per game. You have to find a way to keep everybody active. For players that are on a regimented schedule, they get used to playing every day and being able to see pitches. You cannot get guys cold, which will lead to them struggling. I think that's part of the reason why we see some of these guys struggling a little bit, if you notice Donaldson will get a day where he'll DH and then not play. Stanton the day before and off day doesn't play, so he gets an extra day. You know, there are a couple of things that I feel like Aaron Boone and his staff will shore up as the year goes on. And of course you, you can't control injury. So you hope you stay out of injury trouble, because obviously that's something that it you know it's a good problem to have having nine players that are starting caliber in this league. But again It's something you just have to watch out for. And finally, Boone has to make sure the bullpen doesn't get taxed. We've seen it in the past. Once the playoffs come, these guys are gassed. You cannot overkill them early. They have to find a way to get a little more length out of the starting pitching in order to make that happen. But overall, good start to the season. We're excited to be back. And obviously, make sure you tune in for more of our updated content as the season rolls along. Once again, this has been another episode of the Pinstripe Talk podcast, powered to you by Delahanty Media. Man, it feels really good to be back. We'll talk to you really soon, everybody. Don't forget, let's go Yankees.